Welcome to this verse-by-verse Bible teaching from Calvary Queen Creek in Arizona with Pastor Jim Remington. We hope you're blessed by listening. Romans 10.17 says, Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. For more information, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org. Let's get into Acts chapter 18. Acts chapter 18. If you're new or visiting, we're going through the book of Acts verse by verse. And so we find ourselves in Acts chapter 18. And again, let's just open up in prayer. Father, we thank you for the morning. And Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in California. This is just total nonsense. And Lord, I pray that they would rebel, that they would be uh, disobedient in a respectful way, and that they will take a stand, not for the Constitution, but for the Word of God. The Word of God is essential. Suicides. There are more suicides in California now than COVID deaths. People's lives are at stake, having no hope. Lord, the Word of God brings hope to a hopeless world. So bless our brothers and sisters to take a stand, to still show up, to press through no matter what. Not out of disobedience, but out of obedience to you and to your word and out of a loving relationship to their neighbors that they have the answer. They have the answer. People are going to die in California, die without no hope and die without Jesus. The church offers both via your word. And Father, we pray for our hearts. Strengthen us as we see these days approaching. They're here. Give us wisdom and discernment on how to take a stand, a loving stand, but yet a stand for your glory. And Lord, I pray for the gift of teaching as we go over your word this morning. Stir our hearts that you might be glorified in and through your word. In Jesus' name, amen. After these things, Acts 18, verse 1, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. Um, I think we got a slide. Jim, can you throw up that picture? Now, I know this is kind of hard, and you can Google it yourself. Go under images, and you can Google Isthmus in Corinth. And this picture, as well as many other pictures, will show up. But it's kind of hard to see, but there's a Peloponnesus region, which is way down here. And then you see Athens. I don't have a pointer. So Athens is somewhere up there where my hand's pointing. In between there is a little landmass. That's called an isthmus. If that isthmus wasn't there, it would be an island. While in Athens, Paul spoke to those gathered about God's handiwork in creation, that God doesn't dwell in temples, nor is he found in statues made of gold, silver, or stone. He also made mention of Jesus and the resurrection from the dead, which at that point, most of those listening had had enough. Remember that Timothy and Silas we're still in Berea, establishing a newfound church there. And Berea is on that map. It was a different map. Now it's showing you modern day uh, picture. So Paul leaves Athens and presses on in his second missionary journey by moving southwest about 50 miles to the city of Corinth. At the time of Paul's visit, Corinth was a city of roughly 300 to 500,000 people. Half a million people. No modern plumbing, guys. Get this mental picture. No modern plumbing, no cars, no trains, no buses, no, none of that. It was the capital city of the Roman province of Achaia, a city that was steeped in debauchery, 
or what we'd call today unrestrained sexual pleasures. Does that sound like today? Jesus said it would be as it was in the days of Lot and Noah. It was a city that was heavily influenced by commerce or trade. So here's a little history, but hang in there. This is really important. This was due to a body of water today that is called the Gulf of Corinth. So Jim, would you go back to that uh, original first um, slide there? The Gulf led right into the narrow strip of land called an isthmus. This narrow strip of land connected Achaia to this landmass known as the Peloponnese region. Without this isthmus, the Peloponnesus region would be a very large island. So what the tradesmen would do to avoid a very dangerous trip down around the bottom of Greece there is that they would sail their cargo into the Gulf of Corinth. Get this into your head because after we're done with Acts, we're actually going to go into because Pastor Jarrell did Romans a few months back. We're then going to go into First and Second Corinthians after Acts here. They would unload their cargo and they would carry it across this narrow isthmus to the western docks of the area of Corinth located on the Saronac Gulf. So land trade would be moving north and south. So you kind of get that mental picture, north being up top here. So land trade would be going north and south through Corinth. And sea trade would be moving east and west. And this is why Corinth enjoyed a prolific lifestyle. Here's the point. It was a major thoroughfare. It was a major thoroughfare for trade as well as any type of sinful pleasure that the flesh might desire. Does that sound like some of our modern cities today on possibly the east or west coast? It's a perfect picture. The Corinthians had a temple in which they worshipped the god, goddess Aphrodites. Aphrodites was the Greek Mythical goddess of beauty and love. She was the most beautiful god that they had. Sexual immorality was not uncommon because to the Corinthians, you could join yourself to one of the thousand religious temple prostitutes as a part of your worship. So if you were in Corinth and you felt like going to the temple, you'd say, honey, I'll be home in, I don't know, four or five hours. And what would your wife be thinking? Oh, He's going to worship, and he's going to have sex with a prostitute. That was common. That was just the way it was. Hmm. It's possible that even incest was considered normal, as we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, which we'll get to in a few months, where his son was having sexual relations with his mother. I personally believe it was his stepmother, but you can read that in 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. Let's look at Romans chapter 1. Let's turn to Romans chapter 1. You see, Paul wrote the book of Romans from Corinth in the mid-50s. You might be thinking, well, why are we talking so much about Corinth? As you're turning there, Acts 18.1, after these things, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. Now, this is not when he wrote Corinthians. It was on his future travels where he wrote Corinthians. But this is the location. And he wrote 1st and 2nd Corinthians in the mid-50s on his third missionary journey. And I think it gives us a great insight into what was taking place at Corinth. Romans 1.26, For this reason, God gave them up to vile passions. For even their women exchanged the natural use for what is against nature. 
Likewise, also the men, leaving the natural use of the women. So Paul here is talking about sex. One genetic male, one genetic female, being married, having sex, procreating. That's the natural use. Burning their lust for one another. Men with men committing what is shameful and receiving in themselves the penalty of their error which was due. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge. Guys, is this America right now? Is this sounding like America? This is America. God gave them over to a debased mind to do those things which are not fitting. Being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, They are whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful. Do we see any of that taking place with our current protests, with our current riots? Who, knowing the righteous judgment of God that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. Interesting how certain politicians of certain sect are not denouncing these riots. I haven't heard one Democrat denounce these. Not that I've heard them all, but I have not heard one. It's not about politics, it's about reality, it's about being truth. Where is the denouncing of this violence? Peaceful protests, there's no problem doing that. But when you cross the line, there has to be immediate denouncing. No, that's not your constitutional right to burn down somebody's business. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say that. But what it does say, if you do it, you're going to be arrested, you're going to be prosecuted, and that's the bottom line. And are they standing up and saying that? No, they're more concerned about a vote than about the truth. So guys, we're there. You see, if this was the atmosphere in Corinth, what was Paul's heart's desire for the Corinthians? Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 2. And guys, this has to be our heart for believers, other believers who are afraid to go to church. And again, for those watching, those who are being wise, you just don't, this is not for you, obviously. But for the believers that are now forsaking church out of fear or out of convenience, they're jeopardizing the church, the whole church. Because a church is made up of members and every member is vital to the body of Christ. Every member, every member. This is Paul's heart towards the people in Corinth. Again, he wrote this in mid-50s from Ephesus. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. I think that's very interesting these days we're living in. When we get together, we need to keep talking about Jesus. It's easy to talk about everything else that's going wrong. But we got to keep talking about Jesus, for he is our hope, he is our strength, he is our source. And we need to be encouraged. It's easy to drag each other down. We need to be encouraging one another. And I was with you in meekness. 
uh, weakness, sorry. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit, notice capital S, so the Holy Spirit, and of power. Here's the key, verse 5. That Paul's heart towards them, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Guys, that's for you and me. We thank, I thank God for science and for doctors and for technology. I don't negate any of that. I don't bash any of that. Praise God. It's wonderful. We've achieved much. But we shouldn't put all of our eggs in that basket. We've got to stay focused on God. And what has God done? God has gifted men and women to come up with these things. They came up with themselves. Not according to the word of God. God blessed them with that ability to come up with them. God gave them wisdom. God gave them that gift. Do they acknowledge that? Most do not. Some do, but most do not. But what does the word of God say? You only have that wisdom because God gave you that wisdom. I only have the wisdom I have because God's given me that wisdom. Don't brag on your wisdom. God's given it to you, and it can disappear very quickly. In verses, uh, Acts 18, verses 2 and 3, and he found a certain Jew named Aquila, born in Pontus, who had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to depart from Rome, and he came to them. Notice persecution. But look back in verse, uh, chapter 17, verse 26 real quick, as we mentioned this last week. And God has made from one blood every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth. I have that highlighted in my Bible. I encourage you to highlight it in your Bible. How many races are on the earth today? One. It's not a trick question. But if you ask the average individual how many races, they'll, they'll go, well, I've got to Google that, or I've got to ask Siri that, or I don't know, how many are there? And that's where we have the opportunity to take the word of God and say, there's only one. And if we all would recognize there's only one, then hatred would be eliminated. Because I wouldn't see you as a different race that I've been taught to hate. I wouldn't see that. And that's what makes Christianity unique. It doesn't matter who we are, where you came from, we're all what? We're one family, right? That's because we realize we're just one race. It doesn't matter what country you came from. One race, one family. Very important. So back in uh, verse 3. So because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked. For by occupation they were tent makers. Again, it's very important as you read the word of God to slow down and learn. Because so many people, especially you young people, be very, very careful. Because when you go off to college, you're going to be told that the Bible is irrelevant, archaic, um, it's <laughs> racist, it encourages things that should not be encouraged, and you have to know the word of God to know, no, no, no. It teaches us the truth. And so here's a great truth right here. Paul worked. So Paul comes to Corinth and finds some fellow Jews, Aquila and Priscilla. They were expelled from Rome by Claudius, and Claudius reigned from 441 to 54 AD, and decided to take partake of the opportunity of this trade area. We see that their occupation was making tents in verse 3, the end of verse 3 there, which we now see was Paul's as well. You see, as a young Jew, Paul was taught a trade just like all other Jewish boys. For the rabbis would say, 
For the rabbis would say that he who does not teach his son to work teaches him to steal. You might want to take a picture of that. <laughs> As uh, people are encouraged to go back to work, why are they not going back to work? Most of you probably know this, but why would I go back to work for $12 an hour when I'm making 15 on unemployment or 20 on unemployment? I'm going to stay home and collect up as much unemployment as I can, and then maybe I'll go back to work. This is, that's what socialism is all about. Rely upon the government, we'll take care of you until the hammer comes down and you realize, wow, I have to do what they told me to do. I have to work where they told me where to work. I have no choice. I have no option. I can't go to college because they told me I can't go to college. You see, now at this point, we do not know for sure if they were saved, but we do know that they were, had a very valuable trade. So Paul joins up with them to supply his needs. Notice this. For the work of the ministry. Do you guys realize the average church size in America is still 50 people? In America, there are mega churches. Mega churches are 2,000 people or more. Mega churches make up 1% of Christian churches. You might think they, oh man, there's just thousands of them out there. There are not. They make up 1% of all Christian churches. So a majority, a majority of pastors have to be bivocational. They'll work 40, 50 hours out in the world while they're studying another 20 or 30 hours to teach the word of God on Wednesday and Sunday mornings. That's what's called bivocational. That happens. We thank you for participating financially to support us full time. We do a lot of work that you don't see. We're not reading our Bibles 40 hours a day or 40 hours a week. We do a lot of things and we thank you for doing that. But Paul here, the word of God is showing us that Paul had to work momentarily for his needs for the work of the ministry. We'll see this a couple, a couple of times in the scriptures, helping Paul and the church in general. Here we see that they were very faithful couple and even risked their lives for the gospel. Romans 16, 3 and 4 says this. Greet Priscilla and Aquila. Notice that. Again, as you read your Bible, notice these little things. Because the Bible is so chauvinistic, right? Whose name is first? The woman's or the man's? The woman's name is first. You will, and this might be a subtle to you, but it's very important for you to realize this. The Bible is not chauvinistic. In other places, it's Aquila and Priscilla. What is the word of God saying? We're co-equal in Christ. Women lived, did nothing for women. It actually took them down. The word of God elevates women to their rightful place where they belong, right alongside men, co-equal in Christ, who risked their own necks for my life, to whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. So as we go and look at Acts here, we go, their names are in the word of God, guys, for the last 2,000 years. Wouldn't you love to have your name in the word of God? This couple is a faithful couple. You might think to yourself, what, I can, what can I do as a single person or as a young person or elder person or a married couple? Or, well, you know, we're just in that season where we have kids and we just can't do anything. No, that's not true. That's not true at all. You gotta be asking God, what can we do? I'm single, I'm married, we have kids, we don't have kids, we have grandkids, whatever the case may be. God, I, I wanna be used of you. You know, we, we need help in the church. This, is, this situation has affected this church because a lot of the older saints have served and many of them have compromised systems and so they're staying home. Praise God. 
that means the rest of us need to step up and say, how can I help being an usher or a greeter? Or how can I help in the Sunday school? I'm just bringing reality to you guys. This is the body of Christ where we all participate with the gifts that God has given to us. How do we do that? What does that look like? Verses four and five. And he reasoned, Paul here, in the synagogue every Sabbath, notice, and persuaded both Jews and Greeks or Gentiles. When Silas and Timothy had come from Macedonia, Paul was compelled by the Spirit, again, notice the Holy Spirit, and testified to the Jews that Jesus is the Christ. Once again, we see Paul trying to minister to his fellow Jews. Was compelled in verse 5 there. It means to hold together, to hold together. Okay, keep that definition in mind. Now Silas and Timothy were aware of Paul's previous harsh dealings by the hands of some of the Jews, yet they see that Paul's heart was held together with a desire to see his fellow Jews saved. How is that applicable for you and me today? When we can watch the TV or read the newspaper, the internet, or whatever the case may be, and we can let our hearts grow cold and hard towards those who are protesting to those who are lifting up Black Lives Matters instead of All Lives Matters, John three sixteen, Every life is precious in God's eyes, including the unborn. So we have to be aware of what's going on. You see, Paul's heart was held together. Why? Because my fellow Jews are dying and going to hell. And guys, for you and I, we need to keep that same mindset. My fellow human race, many of them, billions of them, are dying and going to hell. So we can't get caught up in the Republican, Democrat, male, female, black, white, hatred, hatred, hatred. Don't get caught up in it. It's not biblical. Rather, how can we bless someone? Well, Silas and Timothy joined Paul in Corinth and brought a financial offering with them. This offering allowed Paul to go back into full-time ministry. And you'll find that. We got a slide here in 2 Corinthians eleven nine. 9. And when I was present with you and in need, I was, a, I was a burden to no one. For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied. That would be Timothy and Silas. And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you so I might keep myself, so I might keep myself. Verse six of Acts 18. But when they opposed him, who are they? The Jews, the religious Jews, not all Jews, Again, want to be careful. Don't paint with too wide a brush. But the religious Jews opposed him and blasphemed. He shook their garments and said to them. Now, what does that mean, blasphemed? What was Paul saying in the Old Testament scriptures? Jesus fulfilled the scriptures. The Holy Spirit was using Paul to teach the Jews in the Old Testament scriptures, Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Messiah. No, he's not. You're lying. You're wrong. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. That's the only unforgivable sin, by the way. That's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes to you. If you're here this morning, you don't have Jesus as your Savior, you're listening to this, you're going, can't wait to get out of here, this guy's crazy. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. Jesus is your Savior. And if you say, I don't need Jesus, that's blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, and that's the only unforgivable sin. You will be held accountable for that. You will be judged accordingly. So be careful. Be very, very careful. 
But when they opposed him and blasphemed, he shook his garments and said to them, your blood be upon your own heads. I am clean. From now on, I will go to the Gentiles. This basically goes back to Jesus using an analogy to teaching his disciples to shake the dust from their feet as a testimony against any town that they went to and that would not receive them. Your blood be upon your own heads. This basically goes back to uh, Ezekiel when we see God talking to Ezekiel in chapter 33, 1 through 6. God uses the analogy of a watchman who is looking over the city. If a watchman warns the city, here's the deal. If a watchman warns the city against impending attack, then he is free from guilt. But if the watchman does not warn the city, then the blood of those who were wounded or killed would be upon his hands. He is responsible for the lives of others. But once he warned the people of an attack, then they are responsible for themselves and their blood would be upon their own heads. As most of you know, that's called personal responsibility. Even as I just shared, God loves you, Jesus died for you, you don't want to receive that, your blood's on your own head. Paul has shared the good news of Jesus being the Christ, so he now tells those Jews who are rejecting his teaching that they are personally responsible for the information given to them. He gives them an external practice with a spiritual principle. He shakes the dust off his robes, off his feet. He says, your blood be upon your own hands. You see, as we share the gospel principle for you and I today, it is, not up for, uh, it is not up to us to argue someone into the kingdom of God, but to just give them the information about the kingdom of God. I really want to encourage you all on that. Don't try to argue someone out of Mormonism by going and attacking Joseph Smith. It won't work. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Talk about Jesus. Take the word of God to them. They carry a King James version of the Bible with them. Ask them to pull it out of their backpack and start talking about scriptures. Don't go down the road of religion. They're steeped in religion. When I was, in, when I was a religious person, anybody that came up to me and talked about Roman Catholicism, that it was bad, immediately the wall went up and I didn't want nothing to do with them. That's just reality. But when somebody finally told me about Jesus and that I could have a relationship with Jesus and started quoting the word to me and showing me the word and showing me that I was a sinner in need of a savior, that broke my heart and that caused me to repent and that's when I received Jesus as my savior. But anybody else before that that argued about Catholic Catholicism, wall immediately went up. I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to hear you. You're just anti-Catholic. You don't love people. So guys, be careful. Take the word of God to people. Don't argue their religion. will not get you anywhere. And he departed from there and entered the house of a certain man named Justice, one who worshiped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. I love this. So Paul goes to the Gentile. He ministered to them in full, full time. But notice where he set up shop. And I think Paul was pretty sharp because he went right next to the synagogue. There was a very specific reason why God allowed him to do that. You see, Paul was going to be used so that his fellow Jews would see the blessings that the Gentiles were receiving. The team didn't know this, but they sang a song, and in that song, it talked about jealousy. Just tied in. I didn't tell them to sing that song. They picked that song out themselves. That God is jealous for me. God is jealous. Jim, you want to throw up that slide? I, I skipped the slide. First Corinthians 3, 6. This was my, my fault. 
I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. I wanted to tie that in with verse six. Notice when we go out and minister. I've planted, Apollos watered, but God was the one who brought them home. Okay? Don't think you can argue anybody into the kingdom because there's gonna be somebody smarter than you behind you that will argue them out of the kingdom. But when you take the word of God to them, God will bring the increase. Okay? Now let's look at Romans chapter 11. Romans chapter 11. Because it's interesting. Paul sets up shop. What's he going to do? He desires to cause jealousy to the Jews. Jealous for spiritual things, which in this case is a very good thing. Romans chapter 11, 11 through 14. I say then, have they stumbled that they should fall? Now Paul's speaking about the Jews, his fellow Jews. Certainly not. But through their fall to provoke them to jealousy, salvation has come to the Gentiles. Now, if their fall is riches for the world, so that'd be you and I, and their failure riches for the Gentiles, how much more their fullness? In other words, there's no such thing as replacement theology, as some churches will teach, that the church has replaced the Jews and all the promises in the word of God go to the church instead of the Jews. Wrong. You just can't take the promises without the curses. (laughs) If you want the promises, you better take the curses as well. Well, no, we don't want those. Well, you're right, you don't. For I speak to you Gentiles as much as I am an apostle to the Gentiles, I magnify my ministry. If by any means I may provoke to jealousy those who are my flesh and save some of them. Verse 8 of Acts 18. Then Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed on the Lord with all his household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing, believed and were baptized. Boom, the church is now started in Corinth. We now have an official church. Hearing, believed, and were baptized. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision, do not be afraid. Now I find this interesting. I I find this interesting. Crispus, the chief ruler of the synagogue, received Jesus as the Christ along with his whole household. This man's conversion caused many others to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus as well. You see, it's truly amazing how one person's personal testimony can impact so many others. And again, I want to encourage you in that. Please take a picture of that. Because you might think, well, what can I do for God? If you don't think you can't do anything, you're not watching the news. Um, I've seen this on signs. I'm sure you have seen this. Um, silence is racism or silence is violence. (laughs) I'm praying for you. I'm praying for you. And I'm not gonna be a part of a movement that is from the pit of hell. Black Lives Matters is from the pit of hell. Just do some research, guys. It sounds like a really good slogan. Every life matters. You just do a little bit of research. They have an agenda and it's from the pit of hell. Your personal testimony can impact so many lives. You see, with this growth taking place through the ministry of Paul, it probably brought about memories of what happened when growth took place in previous areas. Growth brought on persecution, being chased out of cities, beaten, and even stoned. There was a pattern that may have been of concern to Paul. And how do I know that? Because of verse 9 and 10. Now the Lord spoke to Paul in the night by a vision, Do not be afraid, but speak. And do not keep silent. So we can't keep silent with the word of God. But I encourage, you know, I've heard, I've seen Christians, I haven't seen. But others have seen it and told me of Christians putting on, I support Black Lives Matters on their Facebook or whatever. 
You're not doing any research as a Christian if you do that. Do research and put the Bible on there instead of an agenda or another man's movement. Be very careful what you give credence to. You see, the word of God is the most important. And Paul, I believe Paul, why would Jesus say, don't be afraid if Paul wasn't afraid? Oh, here's a church started. What's going to happen? Am I going to have a prison ministry? Am I going to get beaten? Are they going to stone me to death? Something's probably going to happen. And the Lord comes along to Paul and envisions says, do not be afraid, but speak. Do not keep silent. For I am with you and no one will attack you to hurt you. For I have many people in this city. You see, the Lord came alongside Paul and reassured him of his calling to to minister in Corinth. The enemy will use fear to neutralize faith, guys. The enemy will use fear to neutralize faith in our lives. You young people, if you don't put on your social media, I support Black Lives Matters, you are going to be intimidated. I'm an old person. I really don't care about their intimidation. But you will be intimidated. You're bad. And your Christianity is bad. So you better know the word of God so that you can defend the faith. If he can get us to focus on our temporal circumstances instead of focusing on the eternal plans of God, then we'll often panic and stop short of what God ultimately has for us. God desires to use us and bless us with much fruit, but often we quit right before the harvest. How do I know this? Galatians 6, and let us not grow weary while doing good for all of us. Are any of you growing weary? The rest of you are not awake. (laughs) Let me ask the question one more time. We're just about ready to wrap up. Wake up. Are any of you growing weary? I am. Jesus, come right now. You can have the rest of the sermon. Come right now. And what do the scriptures tell us to do? Don't grow weary. Don't grow weary. There's somebody maybe this week that you're going to plant, you're going to water, or you might even ask them, would you like to pray? You look really burdened. You look really sad. Can I pray for you? Guys, don't grow weary in doing good. For in due season, those words there, due season, that's a specific measure of time. And sometimes Christians quit And if they just would have went one more day, boom, the answer was there, but they quit. We shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, notice what the exhortation is for you and me today. Even in the midst of all this chaos, let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. Let us do good to all. Who are the all there? The one race. There's only one race. So let's do good to all of that one race. And as they try to come to us and tell us that there's multiple races, we just take them back to the word of God and say, oh, no, 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 let me correct you. There's only one race. If you receive Jesus, you'll be my brother, you'll be my sister. That's it, one race. The human race. Do you want to be a part of the church of God? So let us do good to all, especially to those who are the household of faith. And we wrap it up with verse 11. And he continued there a a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Notice that, very, very important. He wasn't arguing philosophy as we studied last week. He wasn't arguing socialism or social aspects. He was teaching the word of God among them. This greatly, this obviously greatly encouraged Paul hearing from the Lord 
as it would anyone. And he remained at Corinth for a year and a half. And it was during this time that Paul wrote First and Second Thessalonians, we believe. It was now during this year and a half, which we just have some sentences here, but it was now during this year and a half where Paul, we believe Paul wrote First and Second Thessalonians. It was a very productive time indeed. And I'll close with this. Grow where God's planted you. Saints, wherever you are, I worked for Motorola for 12 and a half years. I grew in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Because I read my Bible at every lunch break. That's the only time I had. When I got home, I had four children. I had no time. It was hit the ground running. Save my wife. Chaos is taking place. So you've got to find what time works for you. It's different now. Now I get up at 5, 5.30 and I do my devotions in the morning. But whatever works for you, the point is, are you having a devotional time? Because God wants to use you. He's planted you there. I don't want to be there. That's not the point. When God's ready to move you, he'll move you. But you're planted there now. So minister there now. You might be the only Christian in that area. So that's why God has you there. So that you plant, you water, maybe even bring increase. Don't negate what God has for you until he tells you to move on. And as far as the church goes, be a part of the church. Get involved. I know there are many churches to this day that are not opening up. And the churches that are opening up uh, are not offering child care. Well, maybe you didn't realize this, but we are open and we offer child care. So we need your help. Everybody needs to be involved. Again, older saints that were doing a lot of the, the stuff in the nursery, they're not here. So see Cheryl, get involved. We need your hands. Hold some babies, love on them, care for them. If the child gets you sick, praise God. You'll get over it. Going to get it sooner or later, right? If you get bit, just have your rabies up to date. You'll be fine. <laughs> Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, for the ministry. And we do pray for fear, Lord. I know, even pastors. It's just grieving, Father, that pastors have joined the Black Lives Matters movement, not even knowing what they're doing against the word of God. That churches are remained closed out of fear. Fear of what? God, you have a plan and a purpose. And, and if we're wise and if we use safety and we do our best to love one another, you're going to take care of us. We're going to get sick sooner or later. Just like the flu, just like cancer, just like whatever. So help us to be wise and loving and tender and kind and distancing if we need to. But at the same time, let us not forget we're the body of Christ. And the world needs to see faith in action. The world needs to see that we trust in the living God, that we're not dumb and doing dumb things, that we're wise and safe and all of those things. But we're gathering because we need to gather. We need each other. These are desperate days. And again, Father, we pray for our brothers and sisters in California, and this is going to spread. This is going to spread across our land. Give them strength to stand up against this. That we will meet no matter what. Haul us off to jail. We will meet. Because we need the body of Christ. The body of Christ is essential. 
Fill us with your Holy Spirit as we go out into our workplace, Lord, as we go out into our mission field. Fill us with your Holy Spirit that we might minister to those who cross our paths. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen. God is good, guys. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to this teaching from God's Word. If you have any questions, would like to request prayer, or want more information about our church, how you can experience the love and hope of Jesus Christ in your life, please visit calvaryqueencreek.org.